to We March On with Steve and Tom, the unofficial Southampton FC podcast in partnership with the Believe Network. Welcome along to what I can only say is my favourite episode today. I've just got that feeling. Episode 25, we welcome you all along. And the reason it's so special is it's because it's my birthday. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me, Tom Deacon. Steve, you've not joined in. Steve Forbes, welcome to the podcast. Steve, it's my birthday. Well, I can't say... I could say happy birthday to you, but I couldn't join him in the happy birthday to me stuff. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. That's better than the card. You know, you get the card and you open it up and it sings like that. I, sh- I should really be doing Paul Mark uh, cards. Well, guys listening to the We March On podcast, welcome back for another episode. WMO, this is our new venture financially to pay for the podcast steve will sing you happy birthdays let us know we're on all of the socials get in touch with the podcast and steve will what's that app what's the app where um people pay famous people they send like a personalized message i don't know why i want to say emio or something like that memo is it memo memio i'm not sure what it is but maybe we should set one up and i think like people like um Certain actors or musicians or ex-footballers will probably charge 50 to £100 a pop to get a personalised message. I'd do it for a fiver. I think just a £5 each time from essentially a nobody is not a problem. Yeah, I, I think that's a fantastic idea. £5 is such a steal, guys. Uh, cameo and memo. So cameo. what I did, though, in my head is I put them both together. Memeo. Memeo. <laughs> Memeo. Yeah, see, like, you could do it. You could maybe get £7.50. No. Um, why why, and... why do I get... Well, cause, just because it's my birthday? No. You, I mean, you are more notorious. You're, you're a famous stand-up comedian who's been on Radio 1 and Capital and, and, and lots of other good uh, projects. Um, you're on national telly when you do your F1 stuff, your eSports malarkey. Um, I'm, I'm not, but you could have one... You could have... Uh, uh, what was it? A cameo. You could have a cameo for just a fiver from TalkSport and We March On's very own Steve Forbes. It's a very niche audience. Yeah. And not a lot of people would know it. And they might not be very happy to receive one, but it's cheap. It's cheaper than getting Ray Parler or someone like that. <laughs> of course. Um, and I, I, I feel like you could also be my manager as well, Steve. The way you talk me up is is absolutely beautiful. Um, But yeah, 750. All right. There you go. You've heard it here first. WMO. Steve, um, there's so much to get into in today's podcast. However, I just want to check in on you. How are you mm. doing today before uh, we start? Mm. I've not had the best of weeks. Oh. Um, as uh, like football aside. Um, so Tom, I don't know if you you know this, but um we were having uh, some cupboards installed in our in our front room. I knew it right? was gonna be house related. Go on, Steve. Tell yeah, it's, well, it's, it's house and vehicle related. So um, having cupboards installed in our front room, we've also we've been decorating the back room, the kitchen living area, um, and it's looking very nice. And we had like a unit put in there last Monday. Looked fantastic. Same company, but different chippy was doing the units in the living room on the Friday. Now, I had to attend a funeral on Friday. Um, and when I got so I was out all day when I got back, I walked into my living room thinking I'm going to see some beautifully crafted cupboards again, similar to what we had done the other day. Mate, shambles absolute shambles now i won't say the name of the company because we're still going through the process of seeing what we can do about fixing it so i won't bring uh their reputation into disrepute but awful like the one of the worst i could have done a better job like the um 
the shelving wasn't cut properly as in like it's all chipped on like down the side and underneath it's not long enough on one side so there's a massive gap it's 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 they've scraped the hell out of the walls the paint basically the whole room needs redecorating um the cupboards like i said there's bits chipped off there's a bit where they were cutting holes at the back so you can um uh plug in you know where the the outlets are the the power outlets they're cutting holes in the back so you still had access to them through the cupboard but the guy has cut it too uh low and then gone mm, cut it a bit low it doesn't really work now and maybe the best thing to have done would have been you know what i've made a mistake here i can't finish this off today let me order another part and then i'll fix it instead what he's done is just cut it a bit bigger and the bit at the bottom that was too low is just stuck back on with sealant um and honestly mate it is a awful job like abysmal so um anyway that didn't make me very happy on friday and over the weekend for the cost of them really and uh and so we're in the process of trying to get that sorted and then yesterday before the game i thought oh, i'm gonna get my hair cut before before the football tonight before saints live so i went to my barber and uh where his unit is based is a kind of like in kind of industrial estate kind of thing and there's a bit of work going on around there and normally you can park up outside. There's maybe sort of six or seven bays outside. But that was all taken up with these porter cabins now. I haven't been in a couple of months. I was letting the air grow out a wee bit. So, But there's a, there's some porter cabins now and like skips and stuff like that where they're doing some work around there. So I go up, realize I can't park outside. So I thought I'll turn around and I'll park down the side of a building or on the road or whatever. As I reverse. Now, considering, you know, obviously I got my car, what, two, three months ago? Yep. It has reverse sensors and it has a camera, right? So there's no real excuse for this other than my own stupidity. So I'm I'm doing a little three-point turn to get out and I reverse into the corner of a skip and oh. I've put uh, an almighty dent into my boot. Mate. <laughs> Mate. <laughs> I'm not yeah. laughing. You're laughing, but I'm not laughing. I'm annoyed for you on two levels. One, I'm annoyed about your car massively because I know that like took a dent into your heart. Um, and also the chippy that has come and done this terrible job I, I, I was and was like, there you go, all sorted, like with a smile on his face. Well, I, face. Wasn't, I wasn't in, so I wasn't there. So um, my other half was in and she was working from home. So I think when he said, oh, I'm all done now, see you later, she was just like, yeah, cool, see you, cheers, thanks, bye. Um also the other annoying thing is right without going too deep into it is when he first turned up now you know we've been doing the house up a bit of restoration yeah. well when we were doing the the living room in the alcoves because all this because it's an old house all the skirting was original right but the previous owners had ripped off some skirting to put a unit in and then taken a unit with them when they left or whatever so it was just exposed like brick but because because it's original skirting i couldn't get the same skirting to replace it yeah so i had to basically buy something similar and then using my very very primitive woodwork knowledge like chisel out the, the correct shape and size and then use some wood filler and, and mate i got it looking spot on like it was 99 percent just like the rest of the the original skirting this chippy comes over on friday and considering the surveyor who has been measuring everything up was like, we don't need to, you know, remove the carpet. We don't need to touch your skirt and we can fit it around it. So there's no damage to, to what's already there. Perfect. This chippy turns up on Friday without even asking permission, just rips the skirting off. Oh, mate. Oh, listen, look, the, I, I can't even get words out, mate. I am so angry on your behalf. That is not how I wanted to start the podcast. Or is it? Because Saints 
have had two results since I last saw your face, and I was expecting two wins. And let me tell you this, Steve, it hasn't happened. No, it really hasn't happened. I mean, I feel like this is, I hope you've got a better story. Because before we move into the football, I feel like maybe I've brought the tone down. People listening could be like, I didn't, I didn't download it for this nonsense. I don't care about what the, tr- the drama that's going on in this chap's life. So if you, do you want to, can you raise the level at all, Tom? I take it your week has been a bit better than mine so far. Uh, listen, Steve, I, w- I will say this much. People tune in for this podcast. They know the Southampton knowledge and football chat is coming. But actually, again, can I just highlight for five pounds and... Steve needs this more than anyone right now with the cost of his life. Please get in touch with us. How am I going to get the den out of the jag yeah. without without this these five pound cameo? Thank you. So please, you know, stop stop the podcast now. Get online on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. Send us a message. Talk about these donations. Steve needs you, and that is the positive message. Here today. There's a cost of living crisis, and my Jaguar has a two centimeter dent in it, and I'm not <laughs> happy about it. <laughs> right, Tom, we have to get into the football now. Saints have had a couple of matches since we last spoke to each other from our last episode. Let's start with the biggest one, shall we? Which was Tuesday night, second leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final against Newcastle. And my Lord, it didn't start the way we wanted it to. No, no, it didn't. Uh, I feel like a massive formation change from good old Nathan Jones, uh, our Lord and Saviour, technically not, uh, for Saints. And and off to a a terrible start within the first 10 minutes, a goal down. um, And Sean Longstaff is the name that we will always remember. Steve, disappointing. Uh, to be honest with you, not the first half we wanted at all. No, going down 2 0 um, in the first, what, 20, 21 minutes, it just, I, I don't know, it was frustrating because the one thing that I think had probably been reiterated to the players was stay in the game. You know, 1 0 down from the first leg, it was, the tie wasn't over. They were very much in, in it still. Don't, you know, lose it early on. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And it was almost like, oh, here we go. Typical. Especially when the game panned out, which we'll go into as well. So Newcastle won the night 2-1, 3-1 on aggregate. And as you say, Sean Longstaff. The, the play was lovely, by the way. What I will say from, from a Newcastle perspective is lovely passing. Excellent moving um, and touch and goes and stuff like that. But abysmal defending from Southampton. Shocking. Leaving so much space for runners, not tracking back, not sticking with your man. It it wasn't good. Lianco got turned twice. Um, he was playing as on the right side of a back three. Got absolutely mugged off almost identically twice for two opportunities. Um, not for the first goal, but for the second one. Um, and then another opportunity that was blocked by Bednarek. And it just we just looked at sixes and sevens, just did not look at the races for the first 20, 25 minutes at all. Newcastle will run in Saints ragged. And I think many fans would have been like, how, how can you let this happen? You've mm. got, the, the main thing was to probably, you know, stay in the game till probably the second half. They could have kept it nil-nil with like 20 minutes, 15 minutes to go. And then, and then you can, you know, really try. And I felt like it was a, a typical Saints performance that we've seen so often, which is starting terribly. And then coming out in the second half, a much better team. But the, the, 
the job. The mountain is already too high to climb. Yeah. Well, that's that's what Nathan Jones said. He said we we really disappoint. We were really disappointed with the first twenty minutes because we gave ourselves your words a mountain to climb. It's things we've worked on, but we gave ourselves too much to do, and, and that was it. It it was a mountain. Were we ever going to score two goals? Well, we had to. But now you're gonna have to get three goals. It was it was just it was just too much. I I feel like for a team that isn't firing on or confidence, um and and I think those those changes that everyone was t- was talking about, like why now change the system to a back five? Mm. My my personal take on it is he had to try something, and in that first twenty minutes you were like, I wish he hadn't, but I he went for it. Where, Do you think it was negative though? Because when we when we've seen the the back five not work on previous occasions and play much better with a four, do you think it was like well because we're away at Newcastle they don't concede a lot we don't want to concede so I'll I'll play this kind of defensive shape rather than going you know what let's let's stick to what's actually worked and take the game to Newcastle and I know there's always the fear of you don't want to get broken on a counter um, and and concede early but unfortunately that's exactly what happened and it's. And maybe it's because, A, you're playing uh, Lianca on the right side of a three with James Bree, who's who's making his debut for the club. So they don't really have a, a relationship yet. Jan Bednarek's just come back in from uh, from Villa as a, as a recall loan, or recalled from loan, sorry. And so Duje Chaletta Sar started the first leg, doesn't start the second leg. So you're putting two players who haven't really gelled with the rest of the defenders in a, like one never and one hasn't played for the club in six months, seven months, and they're putting them straight back into the starting lineup. And I just don't know if that worked. I thought Yanni B didn't do too badly. I thought he had an all right game um, after they changed shape and, and and certainly in the second half. But I don't know. I just don't know if it was it was a negative way to start, a negative outset, um, and maybe should have gone more to the traditional shape. This kind of four two three one, which is which has served much better in second halves in previous matches. Mm, yeah, I think there's, you know, <laughs> damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm. Newcastle probably weren't expecting us to line up that way. Uh, giving James Bree his debut, it's worked in the past for certain players. Um, he obviously knows Nathan Jones, what he wants to do. So he knows how he's expected to play. But yeah, Yanni B coming back in. I like I like the the, the name Yanni B. Alcaraz is there. He really loves Diallo. He really loves Diallo starting off games. Um, Parson was poor again though. Yeah, he really couldn't keep hold of the ball. Not just Diallo. I felt again it was sloppy. And you see these kind of the the long balls go up to it to no one again. Um, and I feel it was almost like just get rid. It was like as soon as you got the ball, if there's not an option, rather than kind of you know, create space or maybe play it back. It was like, let's just get rid, just chuck it up the park and then it's not in our half anymore. It felt, I just felt panicky. Yeah. Well, of course, I mean, mean? the atmosphere was rocking. Can I just say now, to all of the Saints fans, one of my mates was actually there, travelled up. Absolute credit to those Saints fans who travelled all the way. They did see a Mm. stunning goal from Shea Adams, but the commitment... was 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 there from our from our fans traveling away because I knew Newcastle had a bit of a pop you know we've traveled all the way to St Mary's um how many of you will turn up a lot did so salute them um th- I saw a tweet that just went out said I've watched James Bree for a half hour and I can tell you he's not at this level and you're just like the negativity straight away on a on a yeah. player that has been thrown in at the deep end he but, was good second half though Tom yeah I thought he had a much improved second half other than where he absolutely shanked across like right near the end 
But in terms of his play, I thought he was great at taking it quite hard. The part he likes to cut inside yeah. as well, and then move it back onto his right to whip across. I, you know, he's got promise. I don't, and he's quite a a big mm. fullback as well. He looks like quite a strong, tall uh, player for a fullback. Um, and yeah, first half not great. Much much improved second half. Like most of the team, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, that that goal from Shea proves that he can do it. One thing that I I, I said last night was that it seems like just when he doesn't have time or any opportunity to think about what he's doing he produces stuff like that and it, and it felt like a shot out of frustration like oh i can't believe we're two two nil down oh i can i've got a little sighted goal i'm just gonna absolutely hammer this and he beats pope a keeper that doesn't get beat or hasn't been beat for 10 games but you give him time one-on-one and he's got three or four seconds to think about what to do he can't either, doesn't hit the target or he hits the keeper. Yeah, he makes the sublime look easy. He makes the bread and butter look like it's the, the words of Nathan Jones, the biggest mountain to climb. Um, and then, of course, you had the, the Armstrong uh, chance. Should he have taken it around the keeper? It's very uh, easy to say in hindsight mm-hmm. in those moments. But Nick Pope, as you've mentioned, has been fantastic. And to see afterwards Nathan Jones say Newcastle didn't have a chance second half. Well, that's brilliant. But what about the first half? It's it's yeah. a it's a repeat again. And when he did identify the problem that they struggled, he did say it is just about the players taking information on board. And that's rattled a few fans because you're like, well, hang on a minute, Nathan. Where where is your talk of this formation that didn't work? What was the theory behind it? But mm. from my personal take, is he tried something different. Uh, you could look at the, the the five at the back negatively, or you could allow it to be positive down the wings and uh, and allow James Bree to do do what he needed to do. But I know that we're going to talk about it. But there was a player missing from that starting lineup that I felt like deserved to to be in that lineup after the goals he has scored recently. Yeah, very so very disappointed, obviously, to to go out of the Carabao Cup. I think making the semi final stage is still an achievement in itself. I still think that you know getting as far as as they did is great from a team that is obviously struggling this season. Um, great memories, obviously, of the of the win over Man City. It just feels like maybe an opportunity missed, and almost just uh, I'm trying. How do I put this delicately? Just we need to stop being so saintsy. You know, Spurs have got that um, that Spursy. kind of. Yeah, they're Spursy. They kind of just they can never quite get over the line. They'll always just flop. Well, I feel like. This, this saying a team is saintsy or saying saintsy is like basically just not being able to play a first half. Yeah. And just, and almost losing a game with with not enough time to get back into it. Like you've, you've already lost the game by 45 minutes and you, ca- you, you can't get yeah. it back in, this, in the second half. And the problem is for us at the moment, just we are not a free scoring team. It's not free flowing. The goals aren't flying in and we make it look quite difficult to score when... Lack when... of chances massively. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean... Here's a question for you. Do we give Jones credit for the changes he made to make it more competitive in the second half? Or do we give him a bit of a hard time for that first half? You know, which which one is it? Yeah, I, it's, it's a tough one. Um, I think that I like the fact he wasn't afraid to make substitutions and change things. And he, re- he, he recognised that what he'd chosen wasn't working and then chose to rectify it. It's a shame Kyle had to go off with um, what seems like a hamstring injury and could be out for a, for a bit. Um, that's a shame. I thought Dozy was bright in, in parts. I don't know if he was the right substitution at that point in time. Mm. Um, he looked like he was getting 
shoved off the ball quite a lot. Just didn't quite look strong enough against Newcastle's defenders. Um, but that's really kind of no discredit to him. And then, yeah, at halftime, taking Lianko off um, and putting Pero on, I thought was, was, was a good shout and changing the shape. So I suppose there is credit to be had in terms of not being stubborn and sticking to what you think was best originally and, and acknowledging and, and changing. So that is a good thing. I think it's just, stop try- we had a go at Ralph about this, didn't we? About mm. stop trying things that you know don't work. And then there was all murmurs of when Nathan came in, he wanted to play the back three with the two wing backs that, you know, the players weren't, weren't on board with it. They didn't want it. And then that kind of dissipated and it hasn't really come in. And then in probably the biggest game of the year so far, it comes back and it doesn't work again within 20 minutes. It's like, stop trying, stop trying <laughs> stuff that doesn't work. So um, there, there is, there is part of me, you know, I think I'm, I'm a glass half full kind of guy and I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think that it's, while results haven't really picked up, there have been a couple of good moments. And I think it's too early to judge what he's going to be like long term, what he'll be remembered for as Southampton manager. We are still in another cup, which is a positive. We've got a good draw. We'll go into that in a sec. Um, but it re- now that the, the opportunity of a, of a Wembley date that was one half away, is is now out of the equation. It really has to be focusing back on the Premier League and just ensuring safety this year. Um, I think now that the Carabao Cup's gone, I think a lot of Saints fans would say, you know what, I'm not really bothered about the FA Cup now. I think because there's still some big teams in it, although Liverpool have been knocked out, you've still got United in there, you've still got Arsenal in there, you've still got City in there. Um, and I think that they would prefer to just not, reach the quarters the semis of the FA Cup and have the same kind of thing happen again but stay up yeah I th- um I think it's uh it, it it's true of that the first half the more mistakes Nathan Jones makes going into a match and get them out of the way so that for the rest of the season he doesn't his his counter argument was we were better in a four but we can't say we can't do a five we have to be versatile so that's I take that but for the biggest game, probably of the season so far, mm. needed to stick to what we, we knew and keeping that four at the back for me. Uh, but yeah, he's not all rubbish. <laughs> and I mean that by saying fans will look at it and go, he's rubbish. We should have got rid of him. No, there 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 is a gem in there somewhere. And and I don't think the owners would have, would have hired him as the manager had he not got some spark and some absolute ability as a manager to, to galvanise this team. And based on that second half, I'm still confident that we will keep that uh, Premier League survival. But, Steve, there, there was a match before it, which we were brilliant in, in the first half, and pretty rubbish in the second half. So talk to me about this one. Blackpool came to St. Mary's. Mick McCarthy, Kim. Uh, Mick McCarthy with all Blackpool odds. And um, off to an absolute flyer. And where has this striker been that we've been playing at left back? Where has he been, Steve? Roman Perot, the star of the show. He re- well, well, well done. That was great. Uh, yeah, he was excellent, uh, Roman Perro. Um, two goals against Blackpool. Admittedly, lower league opposition, but that doesn't mean that those goals weren't well taken and he didn't get into good positions. It very much reminds me of when I used to play football manager 07. Um, and uh, Marcelo, the famous uh, Real Madrid left-back, was still at Fluminense in his native Brazil. And uh, he was a left-back, obviously. And when you signed him, you could put him up front. And he was magic. Oh, I, I had Marcelo for my 
my team on Football Manager 07, and I pop, popped him up top as a number uh, as number nine alongside Jermaine Defoe, who was uh, who was amazing at that at that time. Not much and, height uh, in that centre forward though. Like... No, but pace, mm, pace, okay. and they. Uh, Marcelo would score like 30 a season. It was amazing. So I'm um, not saying Roman Perro is of that ilk, but the guy can finish. He's he scored a few worldies for Saints. The one that comes instantly to mind is that one against West Ham oh, in the FA Cup last season. Absolutely superb. So, like, I was disappointed when he then was benched for mm. the Newcastle game. I thought that he deserved to um, to start that. Kind of similar as well when you saw in the uh, in the first leg against Newcastle that the scorers against Man City were benched. And I don't quite understand that that ethos of you've got players who are, you know, confident, they're on form, they've scored some goals, and then you put them straight back on the bench again. But maybe a conversation for, for another day. But in terms of playing against Blackpool, uh, yes, lower league opposition, they're not doing very well in the championship, but it's playing the team that's in front of you. And I thought that whilst the second half was poorer, did concede a goal, Kind of similar to that Newcastle's first goal where um, losing possession and then not sticking with a man. At that point, it was Romeo Lavia, I believe, who just lost his man. Um, And I can't remember who put it in for Blackpool, but um, kind of similar goals to concede in a way. But got the job over the line, which is the main thing that happened. Um, And we are in the draw for the fifth round or have been in the draw for the fifth round. We have got Luton, Nathan Jones's old side, or Grimsby next. So I'm sure the neutrals and Saints fans would love to see Luton get past Grimsby and then it's going to be like a Nathan Jones derby mm. in the in the fifth round and kind of he'll be testing himself against his old club. Yeah, Charlie it's- Patino. Patino, he sounds like an old 1950s performer. Cabaret, Charlie Patino tonight will be singing some of your favourite songs. Um, yeah, it, 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 it was one of those performances that I personally said it and actually you mentioned it today that um I sack off the cup i know how special the fa cup is to everybody but i didn't want to go through in that that game to be honest uh, great for the confidence but then don't bench the player who gets all the goals like that's anyway i'm not a manager and i'm definitely not an 07 manager either uh like yourself but i just felt like you could have could have built on that big willian goal though that was great to see captain yeah. for the day Top work from him. Would have been nice for him to keep a clean sheet. But just again, a lapse in concentration and under the cosh uh, for those last 10, 15 minutes um, as Blackpool chased to get an equaliser. I kind of wanted them to get that equaliser. Anyway, that's a different... St- I have to hold my hands up, by the way. I didn't see past 73 minutes. Okay. What happened, mate? Were you already celebrating? Were you already looking at the, the fifth round where we might get the moment that Nathan Jones takes on his old club Luton win. I can already see the papers now. And they're just like, Nathan Jones, you're welcome to him. Like, just something like that. And Saints fans are like, you're mental. You can't even beat Luton, your old team, uh, when you've got the blueprints. Um, yeah. Uh, why didn't you see any more of the 73 minutes? Because uh, if I didn't get back to my car before 10 minutes before the final whistle, I'd have been trapped and I wouldn't have been able to get out the end of the road and have an appointment to go to. Absolutely fine. Because you know what? Yeah. You had a dent waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my comeuppance. So, yeah, I did have to leave the game early. Actually, the first time I think I've actually ever left a game early. Um, but, yeah, needs must. So I didn't see anything past, I think, the 73rd yeah. minute. Um, I'd already gone, but yeah, as I said, uh, or as as you mentioned, you know, Saints were hanging on and, and got there in the end. I think that 
it would be nice to have a cup run. We've had kind of had one. Yeah. Got to the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup. That's and, I, and as I said, I don't think that should be like poo-pooed instantly of oh we didn't get to Wembley because loads of other teams didn't get to Wembley. Chelsea didn't get to Wembley. Man City didn't get to Wembley. You know, Liverpool are not going to Wembley. No. So the fact that Saints, you know, got to the semi-final, I think is still a good achievement. Now going to the FA Cup, a good draw for the fifth round. You would hope that they they do get through it. But what's the sacrifice of adding further fixtures to the list? Now, that round is going to be played midweek as well because of the the backlog of Premier League games. Although we've got Brentford this weekend in in the Premier League, we still have to rearrange another game against Brentford because of the the Queen's passing last year. That game got called off. So we've still got to fit that into the schedule. So it is congested. It's, It's going to be, you know, quite a few games per week still going forward. Um... And maybe, you know, the FA Cup is one that could be sacrificed just to focus on the league. But, you know, still in it. You've got to be in it to win it. Yeah. I'm sure uh, a good cup run in the FA Cup, should it, should it happen, maybe a, another preferential draw for the quarterfinals, should we get past Luton or Grimsby, would be great as well. But let's focus on the Premier League, I would say, for now. <laughs> comes around every show that we do, Steve and I, where I begin to clear my throat and say, Saints Trivia of the Week. Steve, I'm very calm this week because Mm. I've got a fact for you, which I'm more excited about than I am about the trivia question. But here you go. I'm going to hit you with a fact first. Um, Saints just signed a new striker. I don't know if you noticed Mm. that. He's a giant, isn't he? He's huge. Massive. How are we pronouncing his surname? Because I've got here, Paul, I've got, smashed it. Yeah. And out you? Well, I have a wee anecdote about this. So I often get uh, my pronunciations terribly wrong. And I don't know why. Yeah. There's actually a, a clip of me that was on Hawksby and Jacobs Clips of the Week on TalkSport last year when a, a player, a, I think a Belarusian player, got through to the final of, of Wimbledon. I think it was Rybikina. I, I'm, again, I can't really remember the pronunciation. I butchered it so bad on air, it was embarrassing because I actually couldn't say it. I went to say it and then couldn't say it, so started again, couldn't say it again, and then butchered it the third time. It was, it was shocking. And funnily enough, when I was working on Monday night, January the 30th, um, on the TalkSport Late Shift, I had a little email to tell me about this Paul character from Genk. Uh, no guide on to how to pronounce uh, his surname. So I did what any good journalist does, and that's just Google it and see what comes up there. Now, Google did provide a video with a commentator saying the name. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that. And I was like repeating it to myself over and over again. So I got it. Went to do the bulletin. It was my final story of just Saints are interested in blah, 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 blah. And I messed it up um and i said it was onu achu like i've just sneezed <laughs> i said southampton are interested in signing the gang striker paul onu achu um it's it is onu onu achu but it's said more flowingly than that achu paul onu achu not onu achu paul onu achu there we go correct the nigerian international well 
Stevie, Stevie, Stevie. Do you want to know the fact about Paul Anuachu? I would love to. He has already played against Southampton. He has actually played a couple of minutes at St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. Did you know this? Yes. Uh, well, that's an absolute rubbish Just fact. fact out the window. Throwing the fact out. You're going to ask me which, which team it, it was for? No, I wasn't going to ask that. It was FC okay. Midland. Everybody knows that. However, <laughs> in that game at St. Mary's, who scored for the Saints in that one-all draw against FC Midland? Uh, can you give me some context of a year? And was this pre-season or was it back when we were in the Europa League? Uh, it was the Europa League. Um, and I'm going to... Sorry? I can give you more information if yeah. you should need it. But I just thought that was fantastic. Like, he he came off the bench and that six foot seven, that frame at St. Mary's, he's already used to it. It'll be like coming home again, Paul. I know what you. I think... Uh, or should I hedge my bets? I've got two guesses or two two names in mind. Let's just go with Stephen Davis. Interesting. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, from the spot, it tells me here, uh, as I've double-checked, which again, I'm now debating. But anyway, Jay Rodriguez, 56 oh. minutes from the penalty spot. That's what it says on Google, guys. I'm I'm doubting that. And interesting enough, for FC Midland, Tim Sparv uh, with that goal, uh, sending pretty much Midland through because they held a 1-0 um, at home in the return second leg. But Tim Sparv was an academy player at Southampton. Didn't get the opportunities, went back home, scored against them. So I'm now excited by our new striker. The fact he's already been at St. Mary's, he's already accustomed to it all. Big things. It gets to move to the home dressing room now. That's very exciting. Yeah. Was, was Is there a trivia question or was that it? Uh, that was it. The trivia question oh. happened and there was a fact. You were disappointed by the fact because you already knew. I think we're all disappointed this week. I had high expectations. I'm sorry I've let everybody down. That was your break. You should have just fast forward this bit. Yeah, let's, let's move on. <laughs> right, Tom. So the transfer deadline window has passed for January. And how did Southampton do? Well, we had a game against Newcastle on Tuesday night. But later on into the evening, into the early hours of Wednesday morning, two Players were confirmed to have been signed, sealed and delivered by the Southampton hierarchy. One of them you uh, mentioned in your uh, trivia segment, which was Paul Onuachu, the Nigerian striker from the Belgian club Genk. As you said, a giant standing at six foot seven. He is 28 years old. But more importantly, what comes with experience is... A record of scoring goals. Yes. He has played 134 times for Genk, scoring 85 in the process. That is a good return. And more importantly, this season alone, he is the top scorer in the Belgian Pro League with 16 goals. So, yes, we don't often play with just a big man up top and lumping balls up. But if you're going to lump a ball up to anyone, at least he's six foot seven and knows where the back of the net is. Yeah, Paul on a choo- that's what we're all going to sing at St Mary's when he gets that first goal. It's not Sue. It's not, you know, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. It's a Paul on a Make sure you do that at St Mary's. Um, yeah, it, it, stats on this lad, fantastic. 
the fact that when we've had big strikers before, the likes of uh, Pella up front, we've had Ricky Lambert, it just gives us another option up front, get the ball to him, a Prousey free kick, a Prousey corner that might actually do some damage at some point this season. Uh, in it goes. Paul, honour, could be there to score a goal. I'm, I'm actually excited about it, purely based on the stats. And the fact, if you'd have listened very closely to the trivia of the week, it was mainly a fact. It was just me talking about some information I found. Uh, he's already been at St Mary's and he's played. So I'm, I'm expecting him to hit the ground running. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's positive. Everyone wanted to see a striker through the door. We were linked with with many a forward, um, rejected by some, apparently. Um, but getting, you know, that out and out centre forward through the door was, it felt crucial. And although it was in the very dying moments of transfer deadline day, it was achieved through the door. Happy days. Now, the second player who joins Paul Onuachu into St. Mary's is Kamaldin Sulemana, who is a 20-year-old Ghanaian international winger. Um, he joins from the French side Ron or Ren. I don't know how you say it, Tom. Is it Ren? You do run, run. You do run, run. Yeah, it, I believe it's Ren. No, Ron. Ron or the French Ren? will always correct you. This is just something I've noticed over the years. You think you've got the perfect pronunciation and the French will go, no, 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 it's Ren. And you go, I just said that. But anyway, I'm going to take Ren. Well, he is Southampton's club record signing now. So he's joined for £22 million plus add-ons, beating the fee paid for Danny Ings a few years ago. Now, the thing with him, being a club record signing, you would you would maybe look at him and go, oh, similar vein to Paul Wanoachu. Must be scoring quite a few goals, must be quite prolific. Not quite the same. Mm. He's mainly played as a bench player for his club. Um, he is young, he's only 20 years of age, but he did make two appearances, again, from the bench, at the World Cup in Qatar for his native Ghana. So, you know, promising. A young talent again, is a winger, bit of pace. Feel like we've got a lot of wingers now, but we just needed reinforcements in that forward line and people who can deliver an end product. And maybe Suleimana could be that player. He could be. Um, I'd just like to just pause for one second to just highlight the fact that, yes, my this now, this podcast has come out a day after my birthday. Uh, which, interesting enough, I also share with Lianco. He's a 1st of February guy. And uh, the stri- well, the new winger that we're talking about, uh, Sulemana, uh, we could even do that for a celebration when he scores. Sulemana. Um, he is having a birthday on the 15th of Feb. So this is fantastic. Southampton, let's have a massive party for our new biggest signing ever. What a guy. I've watched the videos. I am excited by the tricks and skills he has, the raw pace, and hopefully his crossing isn't too bad to get the ball, uh, ball uh, straight on uh, the head of our new uh, Paul Onuchu. Um I'm enjoying saying these names. I think you can tell this. I mean, you're saying it incorrectly. It's Onuachu, not Onuchu. No, I think you'll understand. It's Mary's. It'll be Onuchu. <laughs> well, if he doesn't perform, it might be on a tube back to Heathrow. Anyway, Tom, how would you rate our window? Because they're two of five players signed. So they join um, Mislav Orsic, James Bree, um, and Charlie Alcaraz through the door in January. Um, do you think we've had a, a good window of bringing players in? Do you think, you know, this is positive reinforcements that we need? Uh, I think it's definitely positive. Um, 
some people, some Saints fans, first comment was, well, we should have we should have had a striker through the door on day dot. It should have been organised. Um, I don't think they understand how we work as a club. Um, I didn't think we were even going to get a striker through the door. So the fact that we've got a guy that's going to have to duck his head through the door is brilliant. I love this fact. I think, personally looking at it, it's more competition for places. Worrying factor is, will Nathan Jones, even by the end of the season, know what the best lineup is? No, probably not. There's lots of changing. But what is a freak for this year is how many games there are in quick succession, thanks to the World Cup. So actually, we do need a bigger squad to get through this. I'm very positive. £60 million pretty much spent in a, in a, in a January transfer is is unheard of for Southampton. So that's about, it's over 110 million been spent on players this year, this season alone. You can't have a go at the board for not signing players. We've got players in. What they need more than anything is time to gel. So yes, I'm excited because I feel like there's enough in that squad to to keep us up. It's whether we are able to unleash their talent and ability. Mm, Yeah, very much so. I think some of them have been in the, in the few moments and minutes that I've seen of them have been promising. Mislav Orsic obviously hasn't played, played a huge amount, but looks quite assured, confident player. He is, he is older. He's got international experience. James Bree, much better in the second half against Newcastle. Was a bit, you know, worried in that <laughs> the first opening 20, 25 minutes that he wasn't quite up to the, to the standard. But, you know, I think he could be a really good addition, especially if Kyle's out for a period of time. We still don't have Tino back in, in, in the fold. So he could be really important. Um, as we approach the end of the, of the season. And then Charlie Alcaraz in his first game was excellent against Newcastle in the first leg. Passing range was great, really dynamic, not quite so good against, uh, against Newcastle in the second leg, but he is young again, another 20 year old. And maybe people need to also remember that we've got Sulemana's 20, Charlie Alcaraz 20, James Bree, bit older, 25, then really Orsic and, and Onuachu who are, who are kind of seasoned being 30 and, and, and 28. So still young players need to embed. And we have got depth now. I mean, the players that we haven't seen in a while, Stewie Armstrong, Joe mm. Rebo wasn't really in the fold for a few weeks. Like there are still players to come back in. And I think it just adds much more depth. And we'll soon find out if that depth is also quality as well. A couple of players, Tom, have left. Um, so uh, what? 18-year-old no. Lewis Payne. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Um, Lewis Payne has joined Eastleigh on loan until the end of the season. Now, he played against Cambridge earlier in the season in the Carabao Cup, putting a pretty good performance for them, but clearly not getting chances in the first team. So has moved to Eastleigh um, to gain a bit more experience of first team football. Thierry Small already out on loan at Port Vale, but he was recalled and now he's going out again to St Mirren um, up in Scotland to gain a bit more experience. I haven't really seen a huge amount of him. Played against Coventry um, in uh, a cup competition uh, after he signed a couple of years ago, but not seen a huge amount from him since he arrived from Everton, but he's gone back out on loan. Um, and uh, one bit of news, which I haven't really seen confirmed anywhere, but it seems to be the talk of the town on Twitter, is uh, Jimmy J. Morgan, the 17-year-old forward uh, Southampton Academy player who I presume refused to sign a, a pro deal, has uh, in fact done a Tyler Dibbling and gone to Chelsea. Yeah, um, this one, this one I'm... I'm annoyed about i don't mind thierry small 
going to another Saints-based team, good old Saint Mirren, um, that I'm happy about. That's good. You know, you're getting a good foundation, a good understanding of what it is to be a saintly person and player. Um, and, and I've wanted to see Thierry Small be given a chance in the first team. However, for whatever reason, and I'm not, you know, dispelling, uh, you know, or put, putting shade on his name, but for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to be working out just yet, but very talented player, originally signed it from Everton. This Jimmy lad, by all accounts, is phenomenal. Like, an absolute talent. And to see Southampton not be able to keep him and not get him to sign an extension to that contract is is a real shame. And you do make a very good point by Tyler Diblin, who was equal to the excitement and praise uh, another Saints player from our academy getting. To go to Chelsea and it not work out and we get him back now, brilliant. But I feel like this one is one of those players that could get away from us and and that isn't good, um, essentially. But, you know, it's the player's decision. I mean, we've just seen it with Anthony Gordon, <laughs> you know, at Newcastle. In, in a bigger stage, I know, 45 million. But if a player doesn't want to play for your club, you have to accept that and let them go on and make their mistakes. And I think even Nathan said, you know, we hope he makes the right choices. And yeah. Personally, I feel like this is a wrong choice for him, but what a talent and can't take anything away from him. All the best sitting on uh, two benches back at Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough because we saw Armando Brozier come on loan because he wasn't getting an opportunity at Chelsea, performed pretty well. And then, you know, did get an opportunity until he got his injury. Like he was playing first team football for Chelsea. So credit to him for, for taking that opportunity with Jimmy J. Morgan. I think sometimes when it comes to younger players, you do worry sometimes by who's advising them. Mm. And I think that being with the way football is now with, you know, people playing video games and being household names at, at, at teenage years and, and uh, the money that's involved and, and wanting kind of instant success and really kind of football almost being about instant success just now, maybe it puts thoughts into young players' minds. I've never been in that position, so I'm, I'm not talking from experience, but maybe it puts thoughts in young players' minds of, Oh, I, I can I can do better. Like, I, I know I'm good enough, so I'm going to go. The reality is, how many players really make it at 17, 18 at one of the top six clubs? Very, very few, um, especially ones from academy level rather than being purchased from the continent or from from the from Latin America. So I do worry slightly that what's been the issue of a not giving him first team football and b why he wants to jump ship so quickly. 17 years of age. I have heard from, from people who work at, at Southampton who, who watch training that he's the best finisher at the club mm. or, or now was the best finisher at the club. He was, he, apparently, he was, he was excellent. Maybe he thinks, you know, well, if, if Shea and if Armour and if forward players Mara have been banging him in and he's gone, you know what, I can't really compete with these guys on this level at the moment. I've got to buy my time. But maybe his advisors and maybe him himself have been like, Club ain't scoring. These players are not scoring. And I'm amazing in training. And I'm still not getting an opportunity. He's been on the bench a couple of times, but he's not actually been, been brought on. And maybe he's just a bit disillusioned with life at Southampton and doesn't and thinks his pathway to the first team is blocked because when an opportunity arises for him, he's not given it. Um I do think moving to Chelsea, albeit, you know, probably have a great academy, great facilities. Um obviously a, a, a massive club. How many young players have we seen getting lost at Chelsea? Yeah. And go out on loan for 10 years and never make a Chelsea appearance. 
um, or, or, or leave because they just, they just don't get opportunities there. So it is a risk. It's a big risk. If he, if he has got the talent that most people think he's got and he is, you know, on his way to being an amazing football player, I'm sure that will speak for itself. And Graham Potter at Chelsea does love giving young players an opportunity. He did it all his days at Brighton. So maybe that, that was a deciding factor as well after speaking to him, potentially. There is just that worry that, you know, does a Tyler Dibley. Yeah. And moves, thinking the grass is greener. It really isn't. You become lost in a factory of players and then it doesn't work out for you. I don't want to take anything away or, or like I said before, with Thierry Small, like throw shade on a player. He's made those decisions. But again, it's like in the cup, in the cup games that we had against Sheffield Wednesday, against Lincoln, why was he not just given 10 minutes a run out and, and feel what that first team uh, experience is like? Um, Don Ballard had it against Cambridge. Why, why are we not just giving him a chance? Because he is obviously very talented. And I think that's the problem that now, even by signing those two players and or all that we've done in January, you know, it makes it even harder for him to break into that first team. When you've got players like Theo Walcott, I mean, what's the long-term longevity of, of Theo? I know you can't really get rid of squad that you don't necessarily want going forward. But yeah, it's it's if you've got talented players, you've got to have a pathway for them to play. And then we could have all seen whether he's got the minerals and whether we needed to spend 22 million on this on this young lad from Wren. You know, we'll never know now, but Chelsea mm. have got, all of that, those cards that they can play now. And I think they do give us, um, Southampton, an undisclosed fee. So we do sort of sell Jimmy on, but... Compensation, isn't it, for his development? But it, it just doesn't, it, you know, we don't want him to be like a future first team. We do for him personally, but not at Southampton, because mm. that's money that we've lost out on a club. Maybe it's a, a, a byproduct of the situation that Saints have got themselves into. Um because probably had the team been performing better in the league and were, let's say, mid-table, mm. you know, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, whatever, whatever, and not bottom of the, of the table in a real relegation dogfight, maybe he would have got opportunities in the Cup. But I think the atmosphere, as we both addressed over the past few months at St. Mary's and around the club, has been negative. Yeah. For, for, for some time now um, and discontent within the fan base when it comes to playing your Lincolns, your Sheffield Wednesdays, your Blackpools, where most other teams would play two or three youth players or, 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 or make up a team of maybe only three or four first teamers and then fringe players and a couple of youth added in. Southampton haven't been afforded that luxury because they've had such a bad run in the league. They need some you need to alleviate that pressure from somewhere, and that comes with beating teams in the cup, albeit lower league opposition. And by beating them, they've actually needed to be almost at full strength to beat these teams. And unfortunately, maybe that's that's what's happened. And it's it's a byproduct, as I said, of, of where Southampton are at the moment and, and the troubles they've had this season that he's not been afforded an opportunity, which he probably did deserve, um, through no fault of his own. And, and, and these are the consequences. That's a very well made point Steve I step back and I feel humbled by your knowledge that's a lovely way of looking at it I love it Steve well we are back into Premier League action on Saturday the 4th of February and that is away at the GTEC Community Stadium to Brentford a team I know well spent many a year in West London 
in my education days, went to see quite a few games at their old stadium. Um, the four corners, the pubs on each corner were, were a great little tradition to go around them. And and I, Brentford are a team that I like. They're also a very good team. And I think it will be a tough afternoon on Saturday. Very tough indeed. I am jealous of the fact that you went to their Brentford's old ground with the Griffin Park. Yeah, just with them. Um, Four pubs just on the corner. That would have been great. It would have been a great drinking day. However, uh, when it comes to what's going to happen on the pitch, yeah, this is going to be tough. They've, they're coming off the back of a 2-0 win against Bournemouth, 0-0 with Leeds. Before that, they did lose in the cup to West Ham, but they probably played all of their really exciting, talented uh, youngsters from their academy uh, to keep them at the club. Uh, and they did beat Liverpool 3-1. And before that, they beat West Ham in the league where it matters. They are before a, the World Cup break beat Man City as well. At uh, the Etihad, they, they are on a great run in the league. Very strong team. I didn't want to play Brentford <laughs> earlier on in the season, and then the match got postponed. And I was like, we've absolutely dodged a bullet here. Uh, this one is going to be uh, a real slobber knocker. There's the word I'm using for that. Um, Did I you make hope. That up? <laughs> Pardon. Did you make that word up? No, slobberknocker. It's a real, it's a real phrase from the dictionary. You can have it, slobberknocker. He types away, does Steve now to find out if I have just made that word up? Um, no, th this is going to be a very, very tough game, as all of them are now in the Premier League. Try and lift ourselves up, play Roman Pero up front. We've got a chance. Maybe Che can only shoot from outside of the box and shouldn't be given any one-on-ones. Uh, we've got a real chance. But, but in all seriousness, this is going to be a very, very tough game but now it's now it's down to crunch time really isn't it yeah it, it is it's I don't know it's it's tough to assess because you don't know what's going to happen Southampton could turn up we've seen them have good away days this season but Brentford are a classy team like Brentford play really good football I actually went to see Brentford play West Ham up at the London Stadium um, a couple of weeks ago or a month ago when they, when they were up there before they went out in the cup and they're very much a team that play on the counter. West Ham controlled large parts of that game. But Brentford was so good going forward. Quick on the break, good passing, great at breaking up play as well. Um, and then you have forward players like Mbwemo and Ivan Tony, And they can, you know, mix it with the best of them. Mm. Uh, it's going to be really tough. And the positive side of me would think, you know, Southampton are off the back of, playing a very good team, fourth, I think third or fourth in the, in the Premier League in Newcastle, a team that's been outperforming beyond what anyone could have thought this season. And they're going to go to Brentford, who are eighth in the Premier League. They've had, as you just went through, a, a very good run of late. It's not going to be easy, but, you know, the positive person in me thinks, you know, Southampton could pull something out here, at least get a, a point. The other side of me thinks, you know, the, the problems we have defensively and the fact we don't create many chances means there's not going to be a lot of goals. Brentford don't score a plethora of goals. But what they do is defend well and they counter-attack amazingly well and on the break could absolutely pick us apart. Mm. A lot of positives to take from uh, your statement there, Steve. Um, I, I feel like we're both as nervous as each other. Uh, going Nervous into is the right word. Yeah, nervous is the word. But hey, uh, if Nathan Jones has learnt anything from the last two cup games, have a really, really strong starting lineup, have a great first 45, and guess what? Have a fantastic, even better second 45. And I feel like 
when these players begin to gel, I feel like we can do it. Do you know what? From all these signings, I do feel like we've got a chance of Premier League survival. But uh, I'm hoping the big lad, the Chew, start scoring um, because, well, someone's got to, haven't they? But if we can just get a nick a goal, even then, I don't think Saints will be able to hold on to that lead. But hey. Sometimes new players, especially goal scorers, give the team a boost and a lift. And when you're not scoring, uh, again, having not played at that particular level, I can imagine when the team isn't scoring that the mood does get down. Mm. You know, when, when you're trying and you're trying and you're trying and you can't create clear-cut opportunities, passes aren't working, one-on-ones, you're always hitting the keeper or, or putting it wide and you're not um, finishing them off. I can imagine it is really, really... Uh, it makes you despondent. So maybe getting a big number nine through the door who knows where the back of the net is and you have, as you say, outlets for these players. You'll have the fullbacks with the ability that they have in, in Perro uh, to cross the ball with James Ward-Prowse um, being able to put it on a sixpence, whether that's from a free kick or a corner or just from open play. And you have got a, a, a not even a, a big player like Shea. Like Shea's a strong lad. like He's good at holding the ball up. But someone you could see from a country mile <laughs> at six foot seven um, and be able to give it to him. And you never know. That could just be the outlet that Southampton need. Yeah. Um, and, and, and a bit of a boost going into this game against Brentford. And you never know. If, if Onuachu hits the ground running, grabs a goal on his debut, it could just start to put the wheels in motion, provide that bit of momentum needed going into what is a, a crucial part of the season. Because what we don't want to get to is what we now going into February. So we don't want to get to the end of March, start of April, and it's starting to look like a mountain. Mm. Because there is only a small gap between Southampton and say fifteenth or sixteenth. Yeah. There's only a there's only a, a small number of points in it. So you just don't want to let this current, for lack of a better term, landslide continue and be in a place that's all, a, a challenge that's almost insurmountable by the time you've got four or five weeks left of the season. You want to, you know, at least very minimum, just be on that cusp. The next month or two, you are out of danger, or even if you are still in 18th place, you might be level on points with the two or three teams above you. You just want to be in a position where you're not facing uh, a huge, huge task with just a few weeks left. Yeah, perfectly said, Steve. Uh, ending positively there, I believe. Um, so, what a great way to end a pod. Uh, Steve, I know that I am seeing your face across the table for some lunch on my birthday. We'll take a picture. We'll put it online. We'll even tag Lianco in. It's his birthday too. Did you? Did he get back to you about meeting us for lunch? No, that's why I didn't book Casa Brazil uh, uh, because he he just ignored my DM. He can have that at home, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I've booked you a nice Turkish restaurant. Lovely. Odder man, odder man, odder man, odder man. Um, that was just, just anyway. Listen, that's how I'm ending today's pod <laughs> with a bun. Lovely great. stuff, Steve. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Um, and yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, Saints can get back to winning ways against Brentford. Very good. And make sure that if you want to, you can follow us across all your social media outlets at We March On Pod, or send us an email. Why not? We March On Pod at gmail.com. But until the next time, WMOers, play us out, Saints Brass.